Would you turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. And while you're turning there, I want to remind you that you were given a worship guide when you walked in today. And it gives some basic information about our church, but it also has our connection card, which you can tear off from it. You can fill that out, and you can put it in the offering bucket as it passes you today. And um, what's important about this connection card is not only that it's an easy way for you to take next steps, but also, maybe my favorite part is that you're able to put your prayer requests and praise reports in there. And uh, we don't just chuck these in the trash. We really do pray over this thing. Somebody came up to me the other day. They said, hey, uh, my family, we're really going through something. Where's the prayer chain at? And I said, listen, I, I know I said, I know we say this every week. This is the prayer chain. Like you put, this, you put a prayer request on here. It goes out to a prayer team. You can put your name on there or don't put your name on there. You can leave it unanimous or we can know who we're praying for. It's entirely up to you. But use that today. Also, we might be talking about some next steps. You there at Exodus 3? I'm going to read anyway. All right. Verse 1. Here we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, in his period of time, it would have been normal for bushes to burn. It's so hot where he was. That's not uncommon. What's uncommon is that it kept on burning. It's not only that the fire started, it's that the fire is never going to stop. I can't even go there. Lord, help us. I'm about to run around this room now. You better watch it. I'm going to get through this thing. Here we go. All right. So Moses thought what all of us might say. I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush, why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. My son would say chocolate milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. That's interesting. Did it not reach him before? I ain't going there. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now God says, go. I am sending you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, probably what all of us would say, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God didn't even answer the question. He just reminded him of who he is. And he says, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you, Moses, that it is I who have sent you. Keyword sent. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you're actually going to come back to this mountain and worship me on this mountain. He went to, you'll hear later in the story, he went to this story, or he went to this mountain to basically live in obscurity and die. But God is calling him not only to find victory, but to come back to once what was broken and to restore it on the same very mountain. I've entitled this message this morning, I am sending 
you. Would you look to your neighbor? I hate it when preachers do this, but I've got the mic. Would you look to your neighbor and say, I am sending you. Come on, just tell them, say, I am sending you. If it's your spouse, you better get weird with it. Come on, it's your moment. I am sending you. I am sending you. I want to remind you, Mother's Day portraits are out there in the lobby, and let's pray together, and let's ask God to bless the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA Finals this year. <laughs> I'm dead serious. We're going to pray about it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for my friends in this room, and God, thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, I'm just so grateful, God, for what you've already downloaded in my heart this week. God, would you download it in our church today? Would you go beyond the pages of my sermon and the analogies that maybe I feel like you've, you've allowed me to bring, God, and would you speak to every single one of these world changers in this room? God, we just thank you for your power. We thank you for your fire that's in our lives as we've talked about it. Now, God, we lift up Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, and we declare victory in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. amen. All right. Do you remember when you met your first love? I remember when I met my first love. <laughs> she was tough on me, man. She was tough on me. She was round and brown with a hint of black. She, you know, uh, there were times when I left her out on the cold and she still stuck around with me. She was, she was tough on me, but, but very good to me. I, I remember even actually there were a couple times where uh, I actually had friends that tried to steal her from me. Oh, but I got her back. She was my first love. You know what her name was? Basketball. <laughs> oh, yeah. My first love was basketball. I love March leading into right now. You have March madness, all the craziness of seeing people that aren't paid to do what they're, what they're doing, and it's just fire and, and that sweet 16 and final four. It's amazing. And then you go right into the NBA finals, and it is just amazing. I love everything about basketball. I love the basketball. I, I, love, I love referees with their striped shirts. I love the smell of popcorn in an unair conditioned gym. I, I love trash talking. I, I remember the very first day, Raj, I remember the very first day I dunked a basketball for the first time. I didn't sleep that night. I was so excited. Because <laughs> my white skin, there's very few from our little side of the roads that ever actually get to dunk a ball. And so I'm representing every white redhead out there, you know, and so I, I had a lot of weight on me, you know, it was just a lot. And so, but I overcame, don't ask me to do it now because it ain't happening. Well, I love the game of basketball. You know what's interesting about basketball as we are in the spirit of the NBA Finals is that typically there are more people on the bench than are actually in the game. I've spent a lot of time on the bench, it ain't no fun. But isn't that interesting? Obviously, you only need five to play. But on most teams, there's more people that look like this than there are people that actually have a ball in their hand. And I felt like God brought you here and me here to tell you today that basketball is not like Christianity. Because there are no benches in the Christian walk. In other words, what I'm here to tell you is that there is no scenario where it's okay for you as a follower of Jesus to be on the sidelines of the mission and game of God. 
There is no, there is no, there is no bench in heaven. There is no bench in Christianity. And what I, I don't know about you guys, but it's a lot easier to sit on the bench and let somebody else fight the fight that God's called me to fight. I think if we're all honest, it's just a lot easier to let somebody else be their problem than it is for, for me to step up. But you know there's no victory in that. You know there's no, there's no winning in that. And the truth is it's sin. It's wrong. Because there are no benches in Christianity. And I don't care if you're 100 years old or if you're 10 years old. If you are still breathing, there is a mission for you. There is never a place. Like, we don't, we don't hit a place of retirement in the Christian walk. And, and from my Bible, I, I have words that are reminded of me as I follow Jesus at a young age. Paul told Timothy, don't despise your youth. So it's not even about age either. All of us have a place to play in the game. And what's interesting about this passage in Exodus 3 is we find Moses, he put himself on the bench. If you know the story, uh, let me just explain it to you if you don't. Moses is, is, a, is a Jew, but he's living in, e in Egyptian rule. And he's watching these fellow brothers of his get beaten right in front of him by slave drivers. And at some point, he gets so frustrated that he actually strikes one down to the point of death. And the Bible says that at that moment, he fleed that position. And he went to a place of obscurity. And he went to a place basically to die. He set himself on the bench. And if we don't get anything else out of today, I think we all can come, agree, come in agreement with what we just read in Exodus 3 that God meets him where he is because God's done okay with him staying on the bench. And I'm here to tell you today that God is not okay with you staying or sitting on the bench. God has called every single one of us to get in the game with him. I wanna give you three th quick, th quick things if you're writing any notes and to let you know within your worship guide there is a place for you to take notes. Number one is this from this text. God is active and moving around you right now. Now, let, let, let me just back up for a second, because I know it's easy to go, yeah, yeah, God's moving around us right now. No, no, no. I'm talking about you and your nine to five job and your kids and the diapers and the stuff, and you're figuring out your 401k and you're in between jobs and you're not sure what you're going to do with your kids and how this is all going to work out. I'm telling you right where you are, every person in this room, it's different than the person next to you. God is active and moving around you right now. Let me show you in scripture. Verse two, it says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him and from inside of a burning bush, Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. Isn't that interesting? In other words, the bush was already burning before Moses ever even recognized it. And I'm here to tell you as God is sending you out today as we're gonna discover together, there are things that he is already doing before he's ever called you to do it. Can I tell you this? As Christians, our job is not to start fires. That's God's job. He starts the fires. Our job is to recognize them and move where he's moving. I'll give you a couple examples. Our church, collectively, we support an orphanage in Jamaica. You know, we didn't sit down one day and decide that we're going to we're going to, hey, we're going to go to Jamaica, that versus any other place, and, and we're going to figure it out. No, no, we just, as a, as a team, we just, we're constantly looking for burning bushes. 
We're constantly just trying to see, God, where are you moving? Where are you sensing? What are you burdening us with? And all of a sudden, this orphanage falls in our lap. We weren't looking for it. It just happened. God was already moving, and so we wanted to be a part of what he's a part of. You know, uh, this campus that you're, sitting, that you're sitting in today, this was a burning bush. We didn't build this campus. This was never our plan. We knew we were on three acres at our other campus. We were landlocked. We couldn't reach any more people. We knew that God had a bigger mission for us. And so you know what we started doing? God, open our eyes. Help us to see what you're seeing. God, where are the burning bushes at? And all of a sudden, this property comes. And then it didn't think it would going to work. And we're just, we're trying to figure out where those burning bushes are. And I'm telling you, there are bushes that are burning around you in your season of life right where you are. I'm telling you, believe that. Second thing is this, God calls Moses by name. Ooh, I love this. In other words, he recognized where Moses was. Moses was a killer, a liar, and a runner. He was out, man. He was a coward in that moment. Yet, yet God still called him by name. He knew exactly who Moses was when he called him to go rescue the, Egypt, the, the Jewish people from Egyptian slavery. And he knows exactly who you are. He knows your inadequacies. He knows your temperament. He knows your challenges. He knows your setbacks. Yet he is still sending you out today. And I love even further, if I had more time, he actually goes on to say, I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. In other words, Moses, you know, the same covenant I made with them, the same promises I made with them, the same things that they've walked through in life through faith, I am that same God. And I'm here to tell you today that the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Paul, the God of Silas, the God of Stephen is the same God that is speaking to you today. It's the same God that we're worshiping, and it's the same God that's sending you out. He knows you. You know, some of you, you think you're impressive. God's not that impressed. He knows you. Some of other you, some other of us, maybe we've, we've taken on the identity of what other people think about us, and you know what? He's a lot more impressed than you think he is. He wants you in the game, and there are no benches in Christianity. It's not okay to sit on the sidelines. Third thing is this, God is a sending God, and he is sending you. God is a sending God, and he's sending you. Obviously, he says, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You know, God was not okay with Moses sitting on the sidelines, and God is not okay with you sitting on the sidelines. Now, you're here today, and you go, okay, I need some more proof that God really is a sending God. Let me give you two passages of Scripture, one in the Old Testament and then I want to give you one in the New Testament so that we cover both grounds here today. If you want to, you can turn your Bibles to Isaiah 6. If not, I'm going to show you one verse from Isaiah 6. But let me set up this scene. If you know the story, the prophet Isaiah is called by God here in Isaiah 6. And the story is amazing. You should read it on your own this week if you haven't read it before. But he sees this vision of God. It's amazing. There's cherubims and all this crazy stuff. And there's two things that he walks away from in this passage. You can read it for yourself later. Number one, he basically says, depending on your translation, he says, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm unclean. Let me paraphrase. God, just kill me. I mean, just kill me. In, in light of how good you are, in light of your glory, I, I am such a sinner. I, don't even, I shouldn't even breathe anymore. That's what he says. But that's not the only thing that he says in that passage, does he? Not only does he, his first realization is that God's glory is way bigger than he ever thought it was, but the second thing he recognizes 
is that God is a sending God. Whatever he saw up there, whatever that vision looked like, Isaiah's response was, was what? Verse eight, what does it say? It says this, it says, who will I send, God says, and who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. When, when Isaiah got a more of a glimpse of God, what he, what, he real, what he walked away from was more of a desire to be sent. We gotta wrestle with that. As I believe that as you get closer to God, you're gonna find yourself more on purpose, more on point, more on mission. Your days are gonna matter more. Your moments are gonna matter more. Your decisions are gonna matter more because you're gonna realize more and more and more that not only is God a sending God, but he is actually sending you. I know right now you're still wrestling it. I don't know if it's me. Let me keep going, right? John 20, 21. Let me give you a New Testament passage. John 20, 21 says, and Jesus said, my peace be with you. The Father has what? That was weak. The Father has? One more time. That, come on, your second service. This is how, you guys are doing great right here. Come on, this crew right over here. Come on, help us out. The Father has? Sent me, okay? Then what does it say? Uh, where am I at? Where are my notes? There we go. So now I am? Okay, the Father has? So now I am? This is a challenging passage of Scripture. We can't just skip by this. The same way that the Father sent the Son is the same way the Son is sending us. He did not come, and he was not sent to build his own kingdom retirement plan, have a white picket fence, retire on the golf course, and just ride into the sunset. Just the opposite, wasn't it? He was sent not to build his own kingdom, but to die for the kingdom. Could God be doing the same thing with you? Absolutely. As the Father has sent us, so we should be sent. Oh my goodness, that is so powerful to me. But you're here and you may go, you know what? I got you. I'm not Moses. I'm not leading the United States out of some type of metaphorical slavery. I am a dude working for the man, right? Or, you're thinking, or maybe you think you're the man. I'm the man, and people are working for me, right? Or, or you're like, hey, I'm just a mom. In fact, the women might go, uh, Moses was a dude, and uh, Isaiah was a dude, and Jesus sent out a bunch of dudes, so uh, we're off the hook. Good luck, honey. Good luck. Go for it, baby. You got it. We'll stay right here. I'm on the sidelines. I'll, uh, no. You know what? You're so wrong. It's unbelievable if you think that way. And I'm going to prove it to you. I wish I had more time to prove it to you. But let me bring you to a passage I felt like God lead me to. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 12. There is one body, but it has many parts. Just give, somebody, just give your neighbor a high five right now. Just give him a high five real quick. You're going to do it again, so just get ready. But all its many parts make up one body. Give another high five. I mean, just, you know, we're all together. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit. There you go. Give another five. Let's just do it. And so we are formed into one body. Yeah, why not? Let's do it one more time. That sounds good. Okay. All right. I feel left out up here. It didn't matter, matter whether we were Jews nor Gentiles, slave nor free. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. 
And then verse 27 actually says, you are the body of Jesus. That's powerful. You are the body. What, what metaphor does he use here, anybody? The body, right? What is a body? It's a definitely a congruency of systems. It's something that is breathing, that is living, that is not decaying. It's alive. So let's just pause for a moment theologically and say, okay, God is not only ascending God, and not only is he sending you, he's actually sending himself. And actually, he's burning a bush where he's calling you to go that you don't even know is even there yet. You see, God isn't sending you to a place on your own. He's actually already ahead of you, wanting you to come and join him. He is a sending God in which he looked out at the depravity of man, and he did not delegate it to someone else. He sent his own son in himself. That is powerful. And that same God is sending you today. And guess what? You're his body in which every single one of us plays a part in that body. And so if you can imagine if I am the body of Christ, which this is probably a, 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 good, a good example of perfection. <laughs> I had to clarify because nobody got it. The body of Christ is moving. It's moving forward in Seminole County. It's moving forward in your community. It's moving forward in your marriage. It's moving forward in, your, in the friends that are lost next to you. It's moving forward in your neighbors. And guess what? No one gets to sit on the bench in this body. Every, I need the elbow. We need the thing. Some of you are a butt. We need you. <laughs> Come on, we need everybody, right? Everybody is needed in the game. So here's the question that comes, all right? And we're going we're gonna to land this plane very soon. So, okay, if, if, if you would at least allow for this sake of this moment, to go, okay, God is ascending God and he's sending me. So then the question becomes, how in the world do I know what he's calling me to do? Now let me tell you, first of all, none of what I'm about to tell you um, excuses you to spend time with Jesus and to hear personally in your core a word from the Holy Spirit on what you're supposed to do. I am not the Holy Spirit, but I, I feel like I can give you some practical steps to get there. I think there's three questions that you should ask God to get on, on mission. Number one is this. God, what are you doing in me and around me right now? In other words, God, where are the burning bushes at? Where are they at? Let, let me ask you some more questions. Um, what job has God given you right now? Or maybe lack of job God has given you right now. What season of life has God given you right now? What type of resources has God given you right now? What type of influence has God given you right now? What type of experiences have you walked through? Here's a great question. This, this one will really help. What righteously burdens you? As you look out at the landscape of Christianity or, or maybe your community or your kids or yourself, what just frustrates you righteously? Let me give you some examples of, uh, actually, no, let me, let me get to the next point. So that's the first question is, 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 God, what are you doing in me and around me? Second question is this, God, what is my part to play in your mission? So obviously, God, where are the burning bushes at? But then, God, what are you uniquely calling me to do? And if you would, pull out your worship guide. I want you to rip off this connection card because there's some next steps that you could take. But not only are there next steps, there's also a prayer request. And I, 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 might, I want your help here because I'd love to pray with you this week. 
But maybe you're here today and you go, you know what? God's done a work in me. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not new to the faith. I, I have something to give. I have something to offer to other people. And you know what? I'm promising you today, God is calling you. This is just prophesying with my eyes open here to lead a small group. Don't, don't take for granted the fact that our church is very clear on next steps. Don't just think that's just by coincidence. That's God speaking through your local church to take a next step. He is wanting you, to, let, let, me, let me just throw it out like this. There's a woman in our church, her name is Maida Scott. Many people know Maida Scott. She's amazing. Maida Scott is, um, it's, I'm not gonna tell her story because it's her story to tell, but she's been through a lot. And you know what, as she has walked through, God, where are the burning bushes? God, what are you wanting me to do? What's my part to play? She decided to step out. If you know her, this is so out of her comfort zone. I mean, now if you know her, it makes sense. But before, she was so scared to lead a small group. Wasn't she, Pastor Laura? And she said, you know what? What burdens me? She said, I want to I wanna lead a small group that helps people walk through the tragedies of life. Because I've walked through tragedies of life. So she leads a small group called Grief Share. No one told her to do that. I never, none of our pastoral team ever, that was just the Holy Spirit working in her going, okay, God, what have you walked me through? God, what experiences have you given me? Where are the burning bushes? And I'm telling you, her, her group, it, they, it is phenomenal at the discipleship, at the life change that's happening in there. It truly is amazing. So maybe you're called to lead a small group. Maybe you need to go on a mission trip in 2018. Plan for it now. Get out of, can I tell you one of the greatest things that, one of the greatest things you can do to be missional locally is to go be missional foreign. Because there's something about taking a week and going, I am a missionary sent. There's a sending God. He's sending me to this place. You know what? You come back to your job and you look at it differently. In fact, mission trips are less about what you're actually going to do and more about who you become on the, on, in the process. Everybody needs to go on a mission trip. Maybe it's growth track. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know what God's calling me to do. Would you write that on that connection card? I would love to pray for you. You just say, you know, I'm not sure. I'm in a different season than I've ever been in. Uh, we're, we're empty nesters. Our kids aren't around anymore. Uh, you know, I don't know what, this, what the scenario might be, but you know what? Just help me. I'm not sure what I want to do. Would you pray for me? And let me just give you one more story. There's a couple in our church. His name is Oliver, and her name is Yasti. They, uh, when they first came to our church, they had three high schoolers in high school, which is pretty crazy, parents, if you could think about that. You know, they weren't able to do a lot of formal ministry at City Church, but that doesn't mean they still didn't have a fire, and that doesn't mean they still didn't have a mission in that season. You know what they did? They raised up three world changers, and the last one just graduated high school last year. Not only did they raise up three world changers, but in the process, they built a room onto their house, and if you know their story, they housed up to four or five other teenagers to have a positive environment as they walk through this season of their life. Isn't that awesome? Now let's flip the script. The three high schoolers are now out, of, now out of school, so you know what they're doing now? They lead not just a small group at our church, they actually lead all of the married small groups at our church, and they're planning a marriage conference in 2018. Now, here, here's my question. Were they any less on mission when they were raising three kids and they had some people living at their house, as they do now, as they're formally leading a marriage conference at our church? Is there any difference? No, it's a different season, a different burning bush, different moment. And that, that's why we can't stay where we were. If you're in a different season, you gotta recognize, God, what is the burning bush that you're doing around me right now? And don't compare it to everybody else's burning bush. They're in a different season. But right where you are, there's a place for you. And the third question is this. Not only, God, what are you doing in me and around me? God, what is my part to play? But the third thing we've gotta ask ourselves is, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? 
God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? In other words, God, I don't want to do your mission without your power. And I would even go to say, you can't do God's mission without God's power. Let me lead you to Acts chapter one, verse four. Jesus has conquered sin. He's overcome the grave. He rose again three days later. And he comes to these disciples and he says, go change the world. The same, he was sending them out to go and change the world. The same thing that the Holy Spirit is doing to us today. Jesus is still speaking to you, go change the world. Go, go, I am sending you. That same Holy Spirit is sending you today. And listen to what Jesus says in verse four. He says, one day Jesus was eating with them. He gave them a command, do not leave Jerusalem, he said, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. You heard me talk about it. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Come on, say Holy Spirit. You will receive power. Everybody say power. When this Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will tell people about me in Jerusalem, not just in your own city, but in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and you will even tell other people about me from one end of the earth to the other. I came here to tell you that, listen, there are no benches in Christianity. And not only is God sending you, but he wants to fill you with power to go do what you cannot do on your own. What's, what's interesting about this context that just fires me up is that in the book of Acts, chapter two, the Holy Spirit poured out on his people. And you know what happened that day? The church was sent. And you know what the Bible says? It says in Acts chapter two that there were tongues of fire. Isn't it interesting? It's the same symbol that we see in Exodus three when, when God shows up as a consuming fire to send Exodus out or to send Moses out in Exodus. And I'm here to tell you today that the Pentecost, being Pentecostal, in fact, we're two weeks away from the day of Pentecost, was the sending of the church. You wanna go change your world? You wanna change your family? You wanna see your community change? You need to come here and wait on the Holy Spirit to fill you with power, because you can't do it without Him. Would you stand to your feet all across this place? I told you that we are going to ask us to respond. What I find interesting today is that I just spent 30 minutes preaching to you as you sat on a bench. But God's calling you out, not just off of your bench, but out of your bench. And in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm gonna ask you to get out of your seat on the count of three. And I'm gonna ask you to join me at this front and you come up here, just lift both hands to heaven and say, God, would you send me? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I can't do your mission without your power. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if your kids come. I don't care if your spouse comes. I don't care if you're a staff member. I don't care if it's your first time, your hundredth time. We all need a fresh touch of his spirit because God's not just called us, he's called you. Are you ready? Come on, I said, are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, come. Come on, let's go after God together.